What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com amazing to start your springtime adventure. Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison, and here with me to celebrate that sweet, sweet victory in that number two seed is a fellow contributor at NinerNoise.com, Mr. Akshaz Dividuela. Akshaz, man, how are we doing? You know, we are feeling pretty good, excited, but there's always a pit in my stomach when Seattle is <laughs> on the schedule. Yeah, and yeah. I don't know. Those guys are, those guys are, they're weird. And, yeah. you know, I don't really want weird in the playoffs. I want 30 to like nothing, grind it away, yeah. keep it moving. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I mentioned this a little bit ago on the podcast, but I wrote, I wrote a couple of weeks ago where I was like ranking the, the, the teams that were most worrisome of like potential playoff uh, first round playoff uh, matchups. And I had Seattle as number one only because of that whole, it's hard to beat a team three times thing. Um, and that's really about it. Like I, I'm not like terribly concerned about who they are as a football team or anything like that, but um, we'll talk more about that later on in the week when we get into the, the specific preview for that game. But obviously today um, for this particular podcast, we want to really focus on, the fact that the, the Niners are are going into the playoffs, they're the number two seed, they're a 10-game winning streak after beating the Cardinals 38-13 on Sunday afternoon. Um, they have not lost since October the 23rd when they lost to the Kansas City Chiefs, and uh, that was their second of two losses in a row after losing to the Atlanta Falcons. They were 3-4. and four. <laughs> You know, the sky was falling. This team was no good. Like they weren't going to do anything, you know, forget the season. Let's just punt on it. Um, and then all of a sudden they went into Los Angeles, beat the Rams and have not looked back since then. And it's just uh, crazy to think about that at this point in the season. I should also take this moment. So I, I, I made you sit and wait for like an extra three minutes before we started recording because I had to go back. So it, Back before the season started, eight months ago, uh, I think it was basically right after the the schedule was released, I went through and did a a prediction, game-by-game prediction of of which games they would win and lose. And I I can tell you, uh, because it was a big, long thing, like it took up pages and pages of writing. Um, I can tell you that I had them, uh, (laughs) while I had them losing this final game to the Cardinals, who I thought would be better, than they were in 2022. Um, I do want to say, and I, you know, not to toot my own horn too terribly much, but the final record prediction prediction that I had uh, for the 2022 San Francisco 49ers was 13 and four. So now, obviously, it was a completely different season. I had a Trey Lance led team going 13 and four uh, and getting into the playoffs and all that sort of thing. But uh, hey, you know, I'll still take it. Yeah, I mean. We were just talking about before we got recording that we had a mid-season prediction for how the rest of the season would go on. And I'm like pretty sure I put them at 
at best 10 7 so yeah something like that right um, yeah we had a if i remember correctly we had like a because they were four and four uh going into the bye week and i think we had like a three game win streak and a three game losing streak and then a like a three another three game winning streak or something like that um and yeah i think that was about where we were like 10 and 7 9 and 8 or something like that so a little bit different for sure yeah i mean you know that's just one of those things you can't like you can't like predict 10 wins like that's absurd there's a reason why winning like 10 games in a row is super difficult things happen like that's the way the nfl goes and now they got to win four more in a row it'll be if they pull this out all the way and who knows what will happen as they enter the playoffs, it's going to be a fascinating story to be sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's already pretty fascinating um, considering the way the season started, you know, with that ugly loss to the bears and then they kind of dismantled the Seahawks in week two, but lost Trey Lance. And then they got embarrassed on Sunday night football against the Broncos. That loss looked worse and worse as the season went on. And then they, and then they went into last the game. You know they had the Rams at home and they destroyed them as they often do. Came here to to the to Charlotte area and took down the Panthers. And you're like, oh well, maybe <laughs> maybe they're on the way. And then those two losses that I mentioned already. And it's just been it's been a weird season, man. But I, I'm you know excited to to see where they are uh, heading into the playoffs at this point. They're in in good shape and. You know, while it would have been nice to get a little help from the Giants uh, and get that number one seed in some ways, I don't know this. Maybe this is a weird thing to say. In some ways, I'm like, let's continue to ride the wave like they're they're really starting to get healthy. It's you don't really get the sense that the bye week would have been like super helpful necessarily. It's not like they had a like a key player who hadn't wasn't quite ready to come back and could have used another week to to get ready like they're they're pretty much raring to go and they're on such a such a high and they've won 10 games in a row i don't know is that a crazy thing to say you know i so i i agree that i think the two might be better but not for the reason you're pointing out i think so in my opinion i think the two most fraudulent teams in the playoffs are the giants and the vikings Neither of those teams, in my opinion, are particularly good. I don't think the Seahawks are great, but I think they're better than both of those teams. To that extent, I think it's really, really good that if the 49ers can beat the Seahawks, a team I think Vegas has them favored by 10. It's a division yep. game, but, you know, things – that should be a win. They'll get – they're like – and the Vikings are not good, but the Giants are also not good, so the Vikings should probably win. <laughs> That's the key. Hopefully. I think it's better to almost guarantee yourself to be in a spot where you'd play Minnesota over Dallas. And it's a home game no matter what. I just think that's like, that's where the Niners really get the benefit of the two seed. It's not so much facing Seattle versus New York, but playing at home, like basically guaranteed to go against Minnesota. And yeah. who knows, if something crazy happens, something crazy happens. I mean, I don't think the 49ers should really be concerned about any team, but we've seen the Vikings a few times now. I don't think they're – Justin Jefferson is a top-five player in the league probably, but they're not all that. Yeah, I, I think that I think that's right as well. Um, I mean, I think both those things are are true. It's you know nice to be able to continue to ride the wave, but also the bracket seems to be working out for for the Niners that if you know they get through Seattle, that they're going to get either um, Minnesota. Uh, ho- hopefully, they get Minnesota, and because obviously they get the Cowboys with the Cowboys, or uh, or because uh, they get the the second, the lower, the, the higher of the two seeds in the second round is how it works, right? Um, so if if uh, the Giants won for whatever reason, they would they would play um, Philadelphia. <laughs> My, that's right, isn't it? I'm yeah. just making this up. Yeah. Um, but if uh, if Minnesota wins, then that puts them in a puts puts the Niners in a position where they'd play them automatically. Um, so that's that would be nice to not have to worry about. Dallas, who might be the only other 
good team besides Philly left. Like, I think that's a fair statement to say um, of the three NFC teams. It's really Philly, the Niners, and Dallas that seem like legitimate having a chance to to win the NFC. But um, that's a, a longer conversation for, for maybe another time. But, um, yeah, um, like I said, I think the the uh, <laughs> the Niners are in a good are gonna in a good spot at this particular point, um, in in a lot of ways. And I think um, this is a that that win um, against the Cardinals was just sort of a testament to how they've been playing all 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 for the last you know ten games or or so. And I, I think it 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 <laughs> there was a little bit of of that like oh no is the defense gonna collapse again you know is it gonna be another one of those long days but in the end I think it, it the the thirty eight thirteen really felt like the right <laughs> kind of ending for that one. Yeah, I mean, as a, I guess a good segue into that final game, there was really like maybe two or three plays where I was like, okay, that's a little concerning. But the first one being Diamandor Lenore's like inability to get to the ball on the second play of the game for the Cardinals. Maybe an OPI. I don't think they'll call that in the playoffs. So, you know, you got to make a play. But really, it was like, it was very clear to me, anyhow, that the 49ers were kind of like sleepwalking it, not in a bad way, but in a let's just win, kind of get out of here. No one should be hurt. Everyone has fresh legs. Don't show anything particularly useful. Just run a vanilla game plan. And, you know, they did everything they needed to do. I just, this team is at a point now where 10 games in a row, I don't think they need to keep on proving themselves every week, right? Like we look at these games and we think to ourselves, okay, what does this tell us about like what they're going to do? But they really earned the benefit of the doubt. And now that we're hitting the playoffs, the playoffs are, Basically, to use a kind of basic like analogy or like a footballism, it's really just four like four weeks, right? I'm blanking on the exact phrase I want to say, but it's really like every game is the only thing that matters. In a way that like sometimes people forget in the regular season, but a lot of teams keep the mentality towards. It doesn't matter how you beat the Seahawks or if you beat them by one or 51. Doesn't matter how you beat the Vikings or the Eagles or win the Super Bowl. No one cares about the fact that you barely won. They only care about the fact that you win. And I think the one thing the 49ers have shown throughout this like stretch is that they can win. They can win when their defense isn't clicking. They can win when their offense isn't clicking. They can win when both are a little weird. They can win when they miss kicks. When special teams goes wrong, when there's a turnover, they can win basically any situation. And they've been through a lot of different ones. So, you know, the Cardinals game was uh, was good for what it needed to be. You kind of saw Brock Purdy struggle a little. He got to see some different looks and figure out things to do and protections and whatnot. Debo Samuel got his legs under him. Elijah Mitchell really got his legs under him. And yeah, that's all they really needed from the game. And that's all they had to get out of it. And that's what they got. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really well said. Um, just they 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 took care of business and, and were able to to build the lead early enough that they could uh, get the, the majority of their starters out uh, heading into the fourth quarter, which was really nice. Like, um, you know, let Josh Johnson get out there and and hand the ball off and, um, you know, give, give Jordan Mason and, and, uh, and, uh, Ty Davis price some carries. I, I, I joked, I was watching the, the game with my dad and I was, I was joking. I was like, Oh, we brought the closer in, in the sixth inning. Uh, <laughs> cause Jordan Mason was out there in the middle of the third quarter. You're like, Oh gosh, this, is this game really over? Yeah, I guess so. Um, but, uh, so that was, that was good to see that they, 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 could do some things, kind of make sure everybody's ready to go. And then it's like, all right, everybody take the field. I, if I'm not mistaken, 
by the time the game was over, Trent Williams and Debo Samuel had already gotten like out of uniform and everything. They were like full on in street clothes on the side of the, <laughs> the sideline. By the time the the fourth quarter came, like the, in those pictures of the George Odom at that inter- at the interception at the end of the game, they were already like they'd been out of uniform for it seemed like forever at that point. Which is you know, but that's what you want to see, right? That the they've they've made the positive transition into street clothes for sure. Um. But yeah, uh, I, I, it was it was you know a fun game to watch. As you said, that first touchdown by the Cardinals was was annoying. But as I was saying to you uh, before we started recording, it's just like if that's all they got, who cares? Like if if they 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 cannot run trick plays all afternoon and expect it to work. And 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 frankly, it it wasn't really even the the trickery that was problematic because Lenore seemed to have that sniffed out the whole time. His only the only thing he was really guilty of is being like too short and not strong enough to outmuscle AJ Green was really all all that happened there. So I'm not really sure that 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 continuing to be tricky would have helped it either. So uh you know good get right game for the defense for the most part. The offense continues to just hum 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 uh with Brock Purdy at the at the helm. I think they're well over thirty points a game uh in his starts, which will include the 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 Dolphins game, even though it technically doesn't count. Um I was I was laughing at that too. They were showing the 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 quote unquote win loss records of the starters and it's like Trey Lance one and one. I'm like, yeah, okay, I guess technically that's true, but this is why QB wins are a dumb stat because you're attributing <laughs> the one win to Trey Lance in a game that he played half a quarter or quarter and a half or whatever of and that was that was funny. So um but yeah I'm I was uh pleasantly uh I thought the game was 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 nice. It was good to see all the, the pieces come together. Yeah, I mean it was it was great. There's so many it's such an interesting thing because normally when we go through our normal process of what did we like, what didn't we like there's always something like really, really like important and engaging and we talk about it. But I mean, what do you say about like the fifth preseason game? Fourth preseason game. This happened to come at the way end of the season. We just delayed it for 19 weeks. It's no big deal. It's yeah, it's I mean, <laughs> they're a good football team. There's not really much more to be said. They've played well. And I think part of the almost apathy towards the win against the Cardinals is that this team, like, like obviously they won't say it because no one wants to, like, look over an opponent so explicitly. But this team is really focused on, like, the playoffs. They were right. even last week, right? right? They had, in, like, in all honesty, once the Giants decided they weren't going to play their starters, they had nothing to play for. And they took care of business. So it's interesting. I think because of the way 2019 worked out, then, of course, you have 2021. This is the first, like, end of the season where the 49ers really could, like, rest up because the playoffs were coming mm-hmm. before you had that stressing moment <laughs> in Seattle, which, God... That man, more on Thursday or yeah. Friday about yeah, yeah. Seattle and <laughs> football. And yeah. then the Rams games, it was, I mean, it's interesting. I don't think this team has ever been in a place where they could be like quote unquote complacent before. Mm. And they seem to be taking it pretty well, all things considered. Yeah. But who, yeah, knows? Yeah. who knows? We'll see how it goes. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's true. Like, at least since Kyle Shanahan has been here, they have been either not good, and so therefore the end of the end of the season didn't matter, or just good enough, but they needed something to happen at the end to kind of either propel them into the playoffs or propel them to the the division championship or whatever it was that they needed at that at the end there. And they've had this thing the the division clinched for what five weeks or something like that, four weeks or. So something crazy um and so it's been th- at least three games four games with without having to worry about it <coughs> excuse me and then they just you know but they continued that's been the impressive thing it's like they had every right to just be like all right well we got the division wrapped up like we know we're going to be at least the 
the three seed. Like, that's fine. Like, we're good. But they understand that it also is great that they're still playing good football. And then they're not just sitting back and be like, all right, well, we're good. What else do we need to do? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's it's going to be interesting. I, I'm really interested to see in how they play, most specifically this week. Although I think divisional games kind of take away some of the letdown energy because there's a whole added element to it. But, you know, it's an interesting, it's just, a, it's a fascinating, like, contrast to 2019 and 2021. And, you know, well, we will talk about the Cardinals game in more detail because it did happen and it was a very fun game for 49ers fans. But just to complete my point, I think the team has this, like, sense of invincibility that ironically I would say they didn't have in 2019, despite the fact that they played the same, if not better. And I think that came from just the like newness of what was happening. The fact that players now who are like established stars weren't quite established, but it's also just like, I think they also kind of had this like on the rise, not really sure you can trust them kind of energy about them. The 49ers have been, and you know, all credit to Kyle Shanahan. They've been one of the best teams in the NFL, basically since Shanahan was able to get out of rebuilding the roster. 2019 now, you have Super Bowl loss, starting quarterback gets hurt, NFC Championship game loss, and now on QB3, 13-4, and four, two seed, I think I'm not 100% sure on this, but I'm pretty sure they're the odds favorite to win the NFC. I mean, it's such a, it's a team that's so clearly like better and more seasoned. And honestly, my only concern is just winning 14 in a row is hard, is crazy, and seems impossible. So I I don't know if it can happen. I'm not confident yeah. it will happen. Just because <laughs> I just uh, we were talking about this earlier before we started recording. You can't ever predict that like a team will win ten in a row. That's that's like right. something yeah, a homer. Yeah. That's that's like that defies like sensibility. So it's crazy to say yeah they won fourteen in a row. I just I can't I can't I can't believe it. I. Yeah. 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 It'll, yeah. It'll be crazy especially game. under the especially under the circumstances, right? Like the fact that they keep losing quarterbacks, and it seems like there's they they are you know they have been pretty injured this year. I mean, not nearly as injured as they've been in other seasons, but they've had important players miss significant amounts of time. Um, but man, they they I, I already alluded to this before, but they seem to be getting healthy at the right time. Elijah Mitchell's definitely back and ready to play a, a role on this team. Debo Samuel seems to be ready to go. Um, and the good thing is, is if you keep stacking these offensive players up, it means that nobody has to be like the number one option anymore. You know, um, I should say congratulations to, to Brandon. I first uh, ever a thousand yard season for him in his career in, in year number three. So that's, that's fantastic. Um, George Kittle, uh, 11 touchdowns on the year. I believe that's also a career high for him. Um, and, uh, so that notable things that have happened over the last uh, over this season, but it really takes the pressure off of one guy with somebody like Debo Samuel coming coming back, with somebody like Elijah Mitchell coming back on top of Christian McCaffrey, on top of Brandon Ayuk, on top of George Kittle. Um, Kyle Uzcheck's out there, you know, running and 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 doing all his things too. You know, that you know we talk about oh, you know, there's only one ball uh, that that sort of thing, but. There's also only so many defensive players out there that can actually keep up with these guys. And you can put all of those guys on the field at the same time. And you have to account for some, for all of them because somebody's going to get open and that's, that's, that seems good enough. But um, also should note before we get any further along. Um, so it looks like uh, Aaron Banks 
uh, Kevin Givens and Dre Greenlaw are all on track to be getting into practice at some point this week. It seems like they're they're at this moment as we're recording on Monday night. Kyle Shanahan said earlier today that they're all as as of now on looking to be on track to play on Saturday, <clears throat> which would be fantastic um, to get those guys back. Um, and and I, I think it would be pretty safe to say this is probably as close to full strength as this team has been all season long. Um, if all three of those guys play, if you have all the guys that we just talked about before, I, I other than other than Emmanuel Mosley, who might be the one key piece that this team is missing, like full stop at this point, um, I I can't really point to a place and go, oh well, if we just had this guy, I'd feel a lot better. I mean, I, I don't know if there's something I'm missing, but that seems to be the only one that that stands out to me. Yeah, I think you know, that's all. They're they're healthy in a way that it's really it's amazing to say because they are they're never healthy. Like <laughs> yeah, but well, you know, and, and on top of on top of that, some of these injuries looked like they were going to be like season ender. Like Debo was, he was done, right? Like that was it. And we were even thinking, like, oh, he's going to miss all next year, too, because he tore something. He sprained his ankle and sprained his knee. He was out for, what, two, three games, and that was it. And now he's back. Like, Aaron Banks, he was down for a long time. Everybody's like, oh, he tore something. Nope. Just a minor little contusion. He's fine. He's coming back on, on Saturday. It's like they've been avoiding major injury to the to a to a to a large extent in ways that they haven't been able to in the, in the past. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. I mean, the only person I can reasonably say it would be nice if they had him, and this is just like poor roster management on the 49ers part, is Hassan Ridgeway. And that's only because he was playing really, really well at a pretty important spot, given how it doesn't seem like they're really willing to give Kinlaw full run. And Kinlaw's also, you know, working himself back into yeah. playing caliber. But no, I mean... We can quibble about, like, in theory, if Jason Verrett had managed to get on the field, that would have been incredible. But, you know, they've done really well with who they've had on. And I think that's the – I like how this has just become almost a regular season referendum. But there's – Yeah, some... I, think that, I think that's fine for the most part. Like, I mean, we could – talk more about the Cardinals game if we want, but the regular season referendum is fun too. I mean, I think there's something really, really interesting about the magnitude of injuries that they've had and just how like seamless things were. Like the last month, the month where the 49ers offense like clicked, like really started, you were like, wow, Brock Purdy is like, you might really be something. Debo Samuel was not playing. Elijah Mitchell was not playing. This defense is starting a sixth-round, second-year player on the outside. 
And uh, I'm going to mess up his age, so I'm going to check it. But Deshaun Gibson was signed for, like, peanuts on just, like, a waiver. Yeah, like, two weeks before the season started or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. the the preseason was over, I think, and they were just like, ah, I guess you can come over here. I, th- I think they signed him only because Jimmy Ward got hurt. Right, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, like, think about that, too. Jimmy Ward missed, like, the first month of the year because of various and then, and then And then immediately hurt himself when he came back on the literally the first play <laughs> when he came back against the Panthers. Um, and when he, that was when he broke his hand after coming back from the, from the, the other injury. I, there's... The te- this team has done like something that is very very difficult to do, and I think if anything bodes well for their like playoff chances, it's this: they they've been able to play their style of football regardless of who's there. And I think there was some graph that was circulating on Twitter that had like proportion of perfectly like called plays, offense and defense. Like how open your players got on a play and how well defended your defenders were, like in position on a play. And the 49ers were far and away first. There's this is one of the systems in the NFL that just works. And there are obviously ways to exploit it. I mean, we saw there's some issues that the defense has and the offense. You know, Brock Purdy, he's played well, but he's, you know, we're not looking at Patrick Mahomes here, right? His limitations are real. They don't, like, discredit what he's done, but it's just knowing about, like, he's a rookie and there are going to be mistakes. There have been mistakes. This team has just been good enough to make them, like, meaningless mistakes. But when you have a team that's in such cohesion – on all three units of the field. And I'm rambling, but I really need to get this point in. I have never been so excited than having Ray Ray McLeod on this team. If there's one like small pinpoint thing I could say without like saying Traverius Ward to the defense is the really big addition, Ray Ray McLeod was the perfect addition to this team. A team that already can like run the ball, take time off the clock, impose your will on a team. And now you get six extra yards because of a punt return every single time. It's absolutely what they need. And you know, it's all these tiny moves on the margin. George Odom was the leading special teams tackler. You know, Hufanga's a pro bowler. You know, Sam Womack has been a great special teams player. Gibson, Lenore, Brendel, and Burford, and Brunskill. They're all these, like, small, small bits and pieces. Jordan Mason. This team just clicks. It works together. And I think, you know, the playoffs are going to be really interesting because matchup-wise, and we'll talk about matchups as they come across, there's some teams that can do things that I think the 49ers are a little more vulnerable to, but they've created a, like an atmosphere basically where if they play their game, they're, they're like probably, I would say the second hardest team to beat in the NFL. The only exception being Kansas city. If Kansas city is on, that's a nightmare because that means Patrick Mahomes is doing absurd things, but (laughs) beyond, beyond him, and I guess Buffalo. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say Buffalo's got to be up there. It's, it's, it's going to be an interesting one. I, I don't know. I think the Cardinals game was a good reflection of how, you know, the Cardinals were not very good. They fired Cliff Kingsbury because they're not very good. Yeah. But, you know, plugging in backup players, third string players, and everything was the same. You know, the system works. And yeah. that's a standard that only the best teams in NFL reach. Only like the Patriots before whatever is happening there now. But prime Patriots, <laughs> Kansas City, Buffalo the last couple of years. 
Seattle, I guess, God. Green Bay to some extent. Like these teams, they have a standard that just boom, 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 boom. And their teams always hit it. That makes them always difficult to play against. And the 49ers are reaching that point, and that builds very well for them. Yeah, wow, that yeah, was a yeah. lot. All, all, all excellent things to say. Um, so which leads me to, of course, the very, the very important question of um are John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan gonna win executive and coach of the year? Um because both those things seem to stand out like that like I mean, I don't know. I, I the frustrating part, like I'm I'm all on I'm on board for both of them winning. I think they both have strong cases for winning. Um I think um Lynch has a better chance of actually winning, uh just because of the things that he has done to build this to build this team. Obviously, the acquisition of Christian McCaffrey has been the jump, the jumping off point for this 10 game winning streak. If you remove the fact that he played against Kansas City two days after he showed up. Um, So I think he probably has a better chance than Kyle does, mostly because uh, this team is coming off a trip to the NFC Championship game. And generally speaking, the narrative of coach of the year is that, oh, he took a bad team and he made them better. With the exception of the fact, <laughs> do you remember the last time that wasn't true, Akshaz? The last time they didn't give the Coach of the Year award to the coach that took his team from the 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 doldrums of the NFL to the to the heights. That would have to be in 2019 when the, a certain team, having drafted <laughs> second overall and then going becoming the one seed in the NFL, somehow did not garner their coach Coach of the Year. Yeah. Because yep. Baltimore had things going on. Yep. Uh, also, the same the same narrative that all that centers around that was the same year that the that the uh, quote unquote, that the narrative of comeback player of the year switched from uh, a guy coming back from a major injury to a guy who just came back from being Ryan Tannehill and he was slightly better Ryan Tannehill the next year. <laughs> Um, so that was a weird, that was, that was the year Niner fans were like, all right, we're getting coach of the year. We got first place in the NFC. We're getting comeback player of the year. And the NFL is like, now we're giving it to John Harbaugh and Ryan Tannehill and you guys are going to lose the Super Bowl. So nothing, nothing for you. Um, so maybe, maybe a little, maybe we can get a little vindication on the, on the coach of the year award this year. Um, on the fact that this team is 13 and four on their, and on their third quarterback, uh, that, that to me is a better indication. Look, I get it. The Giants are supposed to be horrible. Um, and yeah, give uh, Brian Dable all the, all the, uh, you know, great job by him getting his team to eight wins and one tie. Uh, <laughs> you know, how much worse were they supposed to be? I guess would be the question that I would say. Um, they got the playoffs by the skin of their teeth, but yeah, I mean, what do you think? What do you think about that? I, so I think, I agree. I think Shanahan is the coach of the year. I think to the like ease in which the offense has just run. I think to some extent he kind of gets dinged for being the offense guy because his defensive, like his defense's performance is not held for him, despite the fact that he's the head coach, not just the offensive coordinator. But I mean, I think Dable kind of lost some steam near the end only because the Giants kind of like, they started out super hot. I can't remember six and two, six and three or something like that. And then they kind of limped their way into the playoffs, which is fine. You know, that's a great job by him. You know, Nick Sirianni, there's those two losses at the end when Hertz was out, that stung his chances. Mike McDaniels, same situation, you know, things kind of fell apart in the second half. The real only other coach I can see getting votes is Doug Peterson. But that's like, that would be really interesting to me because Jacksonville was bad and now they're good. And that's a huge deal. But let's not kid ourselves. I mean, Jacksonville has Trevor Lawrence. This guy is supposed to be like the next Andrew Luck. I, I question how remarkable that comeback that turnaround truly is given the like fact that they've constantly built that team up. And I just think, I think 
Purdy's dominance has helped Shanahan more. It's not just the fact that they're barely winning. It's the fact that, like, he has Brock Purdy playing better than ever. And it's one of those things where until, like, Brock Purdy, if he ever becomes an established starter, kind of gets his own credit, Shanahan will get, like, credit for what Brock Purdy is doing. So I think that really helps him. Executive of the year, I don't know. Those are weird. I don't really understand how it's voted on or really what people are looking for. Do I think John Lynch deserves it? I think he's up there. But I could see Brad Holmes from Detroit winning it. I could see Joe Douglas in theory winning it. I could see (laughs) – I. I'm forgetting his name, which John Schneider mm. winning it in Seattle because of that yeah. Russell. I mean, there's just that's harder because it'll kind of be held against Lynch that this team had like studs everywhere. It'll be like, right. oh wow, we got Christian McCaffrey. What a great move. But I mean, look at this guy. His team sucked and then he got in like six guys and now they're not terrible. So yeah. what did you do just this year? Yeah, I mean, I think the the depth thing has got to matter. Like the fact that they're able to <clears throat> that they're able to build depth. Like the fact that they, I mean, I I know that a lot of this is a Chris Kosarek thing, but like the fact that they just churn out quality defensive linemen like all the time, and there just doesn't seem to be that. I mean, obviously between the top guys, it's like if Bosa goes is not out there, there's obviously a big difference between him and like Charles and Menahue. but everywhere else, like after Bosa and probably Armstead, like there's not a lot of drop off between the rest of those guys. And I think that, you know, the ability to find those guys, how much of that is John Lynch? I don't know. Um, but I think the recognition, uh, in that regard would, would be nice. But I think if, if, if John Lynch were, were talking to us right now, I think he'd say that the recognition that he really wants is for the team to win the Super Bowl. So let's let's go for that. And if they don't win anything else and win the Super Bowl, then I think everybody will be happy. I'd be I'm really interested. I saw something and I'll throw it out there. If the 49ers win the Super Bowl, big if would Lynch potentially leave the GM position and basically allow an Adam Peters or a man, I'm going to double check his name because I don't want to mess it up. I want to say it's Rand Cotton. And Carthon. So would, and allow either of those guys, most likely Peters to take the like head mantle he would probably go back to TV. I'm pretty sure he's in high demand. I just wonder if, you know, the 49ers are getting, like, a ton of re- requests for front office executives, for D'Amico Ryans. This is a pipeline they've built. So who knows? But, you know, it's been a tremendous job. I totally agree with you. The fact that, like, I just... Diamador Lenoir got benched last year. I feel like yeah. that's that's an important thing to know, not to like pick on him as a player, because I think he's done a great job given like the circumstances. But he got benched last year, has come back this year, is asked to be a starter in for a team with Super Bowl aspirations. And he's like, you know. He's playing really, really well, all things considered. Like, yeah, there have been problems, yes. Is he probably the liability of the defense? Yes. But, you know, let's, like, just reasonably, if you think about, like, what the Niners probably asked him to be, which is nickel corner at best, now he's, like, outside, sometimes up against, like, well, it was AJ Green last week, but you know, <laughs> Tyler Lockett, sometimes DK Metcalf when the 49ers don't travel, Charvarius Ward. That's, I mean, that's exceptional. And that's, I think that's a testament to Lynch. And like, I don't think it's likely that other teams have 
the second year sixth round pick playing such meaningful snaps and really competing. It and it's not just like Lenora. You have Hufanga, you have Dre Greenlaw, Aziz Alshire, Kevin Gibbons is coming back, which will be huge. Ty McGill has played exceptionally well. Jordan Willis, like these are players who I this isn't even on the offensive side where, you know, Burford, well, Banks is a second round pick, but Brendel, Mason, Mitchell, I mean, that's this isn't like it's not normal. Every team has good players. I think as fans, it's easy to kind of get focused on your own team and like forget the fact that like a player like Jordan Willis is not like better than Hassan Reddick on the Eagles. Or just keeping like in mind that like other teams have good players. But for Willis to be Charles O'Menahue, another name to throw out there. For Willis to be like your fourth defensive end in rotation and to have like the games he's having, that's not a normal thing for a team to have. It's not normal for a secondary to have two late round picks, a linebacking unit to have two late round picks and be the best linebacking unit in the NFL. The defensive line to throw in undrafted late round players and they just like suddenly start dominating. This, I think, quarterback position aside, this is probably the best roster in the NFL. And I think what we're seeing in terms of the ease of these victories and the fact that they're coming is there's always, there's the question of Trey Lance was, what happens if you get a quarterback who can execute this 49ers offense in a way that Jimmy Garoppolo just wasn't able to? I don't think Purdy has been like, doing something so ridiculously out of line for what the offense can do, but he's executing it. And when you execute this offense with these players and you let this defense run in favorable situations, it's dangerous. I mean, it's a, I don't know. It's, it's hard to talk about it right now. I'd say because, you know, I'll say all this, and then they'll lose by, like, a last-second field goal to Seattle, and then we'll come back the next week and be like, well, what was it all for? But, I mean, it's hard to argue with what they're doing. You play who you play against, and, I mean, they've made some pretty good teams at the time look downright atrocious. Yeah, I think that's that's all that's all good stuff. Um, I, I think a testament to that. So I just saw I was just scrolling through uh, Twitter the other day, and I think it was right before the the game on on Sunday, and somebody had posted like a they basically took all the one score games, so every game that ended within eight eight points, and they said here's the standings if we reversed all of the the outcomes of those one score games. And of course, you know, the Vikings are now like a one in 15 team instead of, (laughs) instead of where they are. Um, And I thought it was very telling, like the standings changed massively. Like the Panthers were like the number one seed in the NFC or something like that. And the Niners still won 10 games. At that point it was, they it was, there's still one game left to go. So we can add another, another win because they didn't, they won this game by, by such a massive outcome. But it, it, you know, it just tells you like they've, they haven't benefited from being terribly lucky, right? A lot of their wins have been pretty heavily, you know, pretty massive wins. Um, you know, and only, we only took a couple of wins away, a couple of wins away from them uh, from one, from one score game. So I think that that says a lot about the quality of this team and the fact that they've, They've generally speaking gone out and taken care of business against teams they should have taken care of business against, um, and uh, I think that that says a lot, right, about the the quality of of this 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 organization right now and the quality of the the football team that, that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan and and the whole rest of the the coaching staff and front office and everybody has put together, um, uh, for sure. So um, 
actually, so we've been talking about this for a long time. We haven't really even talked about the, the Cardinals game, but I think that's okay. Like, I, th- I think th- what the Cardinals game means in the larger scale of of the off of the the regular season i think is an okay way to look at things at this point because the game it mattered but it didn't matter you know that whole thing you know they were going to the playoffs they were going to be no lower than the three seed um and it was okay like but but it showed a lot and so i think it's uh, i think this approach has been has been a good one and obviously with the playoffs coming up you know probably you know at some point we'll have a, a larger scale uh, conversation, as you said, about well, what difference did it make? You know, they won 13 games, but if they don't win the Super Bowl, does it matter if they don't get to this point or whatever? But for now, I think we can just enjoy it and look forward to uh, the playoffs getting started this weekend. Yeah, I mean, you know, things up. The I think it's an interesting thing, like the Philadelphia Eagles have to win the Super Bowl for this season to not be a failure. The Cowboys really have to win the Super Bowl for this season to not be a failure. Buffalo, Kansas City, Cincinnati, all these teams are in the same boat. I don't think that's the case for the 49ers. I think given the fact they're with Brock Purdy, this is, I say this like every week we do these post-game recaps, and it's hilarious to me how true it becomes just appreciate what's happening because I don't think we'll ever see this again. This is one of the most unique situations, I think, in the NFL. And, you know, who knows how it ends, who knows when it ends. But it's it was an interesting 18 weeks, and it'll certainly be an interesting who knows how many more. Yeah. Let's here's here's hoping that we don't have to talk about this till after February the 12th at, at the very least. Um, so that'll be good, good, good times. So, um, all right. Well, Akshaz, that was that was fun. Good conversation. Uh, talking about kind of the Cardinals game, but mostly just the 49ers in general, because, hey, if nothing else, this was a very interesting and fun and exciting uh, 2022 regular season. And so now it's just on to the next. Right. Um, I'm excited to, to see what happens uh in this first playoff game of of the 2022 uh wild card weekend a super wild card weekend i should say now that it's all jacked up with one extra game um <laughs> i don't know that where they get this stuff from um but uh we'll be back to talk about that uh opening game of the playoffs later on in the week but until then thanks for listening to this episode of the niner noise podcast part of the fan-sided podcast network Please continue to check out NinerNoise.com for all your latest 49ers news and analysis. And be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And of course, share it with all your fellow 49er fan friends. So until next time, let's sound the horn, 49ers.